0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> Most of them are still here in capacity crowds. As Marv Alba will say, there's some milkshakes on the line? <laughs> That'll be the ballgame the New York Knicks excellent game tonight they improved to 22 and 15 11 and 4 at home and they have now
1: won their 5th straight in grand fashion tenacious D
0: dishing and swishing a resounding rebounding propelling them tonight along with that man OG let's take a look at
1: so are we having fun yet? <sighs> asking for a friend um man this is you know p- periodically when you're a nick fan cuz you know this town is always is always going to be well something really special has to happen for this town not to be a football town or a baseball town you know yankees giants always going to be the top 2 teams and i think you know other than late 60s early 70s um Knicks are always somewhere lower there so you know when like something something starts developing where you can tell the public consciousness outside of just people who like do things like watch me you know after games and like are on Nick's Twitter and whatever else when that starts to rise up and be like oh wait a minute what's so what's going on with the Knicks? Like all the casuals who like kind of maybe dip in and out every couple of years. Like oh, if they're good, they'll, I'll watch this and that. It feels like we are entering one of those stages, which is which is an interesting feeling, uh, because for so many fans, the trade that went down—I mean, it seems like a million years ago already—but it was whatever it was. It was just ten days ago. Um, like that represented the end of something good, the end of an era and some, uh, you know, a, a sad moment um, as it were. And, but this Nick team, and look, I want to be, we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight and I'm going to, I'm sure the super chats are going to be blazing. So I'm going to let them uh let me get overly exuberant. I'm going to, you know, start off by like, okay, the, Benji just had a great tweet. Knicks have allowed, since the OG Obi trade, 97.5 points a game, which is insane in 2023. Um, they have played the 5th, 19th, 24th, 25th, and then tonight the 28th ranked offenses in the league. So not exactly a murderer's row. That being said, there is, again, something special happening here. This trade completed them. In a way that like we could look we could look back 10 years from now, five years from now, we could we could look back in six months and be like, yeah, the Knicks the Knicks lost the, the the they if you were doing a talent thing, like a balance sheet of talent going out and coming in, there's a very distinct possibility that the Knicks were gonna look back and be like, oh yeah, the Knicks lost the trade. Um and it doesn't matter in the slightest. And it didn't matter, I think, to a lot of us who were in great favor of the trade the day it happened. And now that we're seeing the proof in the pudding, and now that we're seeing the impact that, and and I don't want to make it about the guys that left, because I don't want to say anything negative about the guys that left, but like it is impossible. It's it's impossible to watch this team play now at both ends of the floor and not universally feel like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I see the vision. Now I see why it made so much sense to do this. Why it not only like, as everybody has said on the defensive end, it slots everybody else in like more than that though. And like DJ and Benji talked about this a little bit last night. Um, Like OG, and this is a team that has for as much as they have uh, had a million guards to start the year. This is a team since Leanne Rose and, and Tom Thibodeau took over, has kind of gone all in on size. I mean, they went with constant size at the five. They went with Julius Randle, who's as big as any four out there. You know, and they've always brought in other guys that could like do like rebound their position well, like quickly and DiVincenzo, small guards rebound their position well. So, like this whole going all in on size thing is not new. But you look at now at Anobi out there. And forget slotting everybody into their proper positions on the defensive end. They are. This team is just fucking massive. Imagine trying to score on this team. I mean, when DiVincenzo's out there, you got a ball hawk, um, you know, doing what he's doing, opening freaking play of the game, gets a pick six. And then when you got hard out there at the two, well, that's a whole different animal. And then and then Deuce with Pride, who I got to tell you, man, uh, yeah, OG is the leading story coming coming out of this game. He's obviously the leading thing to talk about right now. But man, Deuce McBride, after coming out in two games after the trade, uh, looking like a guy who was totally not even remotely ready for primetime. Uh, who tweeted it out? Uh, I think it was Fred Katz tweeted out in the middle of this game. Something happened that night in Philly. Because this is a different player right now. It's a player playing with confidence. This a player hunting step backs. Like trying to take guys off the dribble, like like you could tell when a player confidently steps into a shot and it shouldn't be surprised that it took a couple games for a guy who's been riding the bench all the year to, to, to get comfortable. And yes, it absolutely does change the conversation about what this team does and does not need. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, I spent, you know, I don't know, way too many words writing about him today for the newsletter. How'd he looked tonight, you know, I, and I understand he's kind of probably mailing it in now because he's been relegated to the bench behind a player who he is superior to. That. He probably doesn't love that, but um, no, we'll keep it on the Knicks. Like, Deuce, different player. If he's going to be this version of the offensive player, you throw him out there on the defensive end alongside some of these other guys. Um, I what I mean, what one of the many things I love that Tibbs did tonight was he left. I think this is the most. Extended stretch, he's done this, um, other than obviously when all the starters are out there. Left OG Ananobi and Julius Randle out there together when Brunson was not on the court with, with Deuce out there. And I forget if Hart or Grimes was in the game, one of them was in the game. But like, either way, like just you're overwhelming teams. And again, I, I read you the offensive rankings of the teams they've played, so I don't want to make it out like this is going to be the number one defense in the league for the rest of the year. It's not. Um, and boy, are they going to face a nice challenge uh, in a couple nights playing the Mavs, although the Mavs are struggling right now against a, a Ja Morant-less uh, Memphis Grizzlies uh, team uh, at, at home, no less. Um, but that's going to be a big challenge. And I'll be curious to see how they do facing a genuine offensive force. I know the Mavs don't rank at the top of the league in terms of offense, but they you know what the Mavs could do on offense. Anyway, um, so that remains to be seen, but great you know, all, all, so far so great. And then on offense, like offense hasn't been this team's problem for a year and a half. So I don't want to make it out to be like they reinvented the wheel here. But man, the thing that was unmistakable and why I think so many people, even after they ranked third in offense last year, and I, I before I say what I'm about to say, I should again, if I have not emphasized it, I had, I did not emphasize it yet. I want to emphasize it now. They played the Blazers tonight, and the Blazers are not a good basketball team. Uh, not only are they the 28th ranked offense in the league, but like, the, well, actually defensively, they're better, quite a bit better than that, but like, they're not, they're not a good team. There's a team that if you step on them early and at the same team, at the same team, at the same time, like it's, it's not like this team over the last year and a half has been above playing down to the competition at times. And so I, I really think the defense is what put Portland down from the, from the outset. Um, and that was important on the offensive end, getting back to what I was saying, they had to work so hard for their points, even as the third ranked offensive league last year. And yeah, they would occasionally go through stretches, but whether it was okay, Bronson create Randall create, uh, RJ create quickly create. And you watch them out there in the first half. And really, it was the first 18 minutes of the game because after the first 18 minutes of the game, the Knicks kind of went on autopilot. Um, It's hard for me to blame them. It's I've never seen a game before in my life where a team went eight and a half minutes of not scoring at all. Not scoring a field goal, excuse me. Not scoring a field goal. They scored a bunch of free throws. But not not making a field goal at all. Um, And then that eight and a half minute stretch was like inside of the first... What was it? The first 32, 33 minutes of the game. And they were up by almost 40. Never seen that before. But again, that's how good their offense looked when it was humming. You know, and the Blazers are the, you know, look, they're the 19th ranked defense in the league. So not awful. Um, and the Knicks were just, I mean, they look like the Harlem freaking Globetrotters out there playing the Washington Generals during those some of those first half possessions. 15 assists on their first 20 made field goals. The Knicks, 15 assists. On their first twenty made field goals, and I don't want to say it came easy to them, but like it sure as hell looked a lot less strenuous than so many of those possessions. Like they were up by twenty two at the half, and Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle combined for five field goals. If that's not a good sign, I don't know what is. And and again, it's the obf, it's the OG effect. His he's automatic from the corners, and he's great especially great tonight from the corners, but he's always going to be good from the corners. And just again, another big guy. I think the size matters on offense as well, because like you can't put a little guard on him. That's for sure. And like moving without the ball, everybody's moving without the ball, making the right pass. Everybody right now on this team, you know, when the game matters, making the right play it, it, without fail. And yeah, I think that has to do a little bit with the fact that, like, you have two guys leaving who, one, is was, was playing for a new contract this year, did not get his money over the summer, and, like, we, we've seen the ball stick with quickly a little bit, we've seen, you know, and again, DJ and Benji, I think one of them mentioned it on the show last night, like, there were a lot of possessions, where like, okay, quickly, you know, dribble the ball 10, 15 seconds, and then go into whatever he's going to go into. Um And there'll still be some of that. There'll still be a ton of ISO possessions featuring Brunson and Randall in particular, especially when they get in games against these really locked in defenses. Their final hurdle as an offense will be, can they continue this play style against the best defenses? That's the final hurdle. And that's, you know, if you're if you're dreaming big dreams about like, oh, can this team contend? That's what you want to look for. Um, Defensively, I actually have. Uh, very few worries offensively that's what you want to look for but they'll have to play some elite defensive competition for us to see that um back to back to the the hearing now so you, you lost quickly and then rj you know i mean we've all had the same comments about you know rj kind of the occasional tunnel vision that and then and then also what does it do to an offense when you have a guy out there who maybe not everybody on the floor has complete and total confidence that he is going to hit an open shot and make make the right play. Um, so, and that's not RJ's fault either because RJ, again, is a guy who sees himself a certain way, has always seen himself as a certain way and was trying to fit in as the third cog on this offense and quickly is trying to fit in as the fourth cog on this offense. That, that's not easy. And they're getting a chance to spread their wings now in Toronto. And I bet you they're going to both, they already have, and they'll continue to look a lot better. Um, which is saying a lot quickly because you look pretty freaking awesome here. So, it just works. Everything's slotting in right now. Um, you know, again, it is Deuce the long-term answer at the backup point guard position? Is you know, Precious Jew had a nice game tonight. Is see the long-term answer at the, you know, at the backup center position? I, I don't know if either of those things are true, but for right now, though, and again, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm going to anyway. Big Dallas game coming up on Thursday. We'll see what happens. They're down by fourteen. Nine minutes left in the third quarter right now. Orlando lost tonight. Um, they actually got smoked by uh, Minnesota. I was watching some of that game. Palo's uh, Palo Palo's making the All Star team. He, he's I don't know about a lot, but he's he lo- he's looking really good. But they lost. We won. So we're now in. We we emerged from that five team pack that we're all tied at twenty one and fifteen to go to twenty two and fifteen. Uh, two games. Behind Philly, and if you, I mean, geez, if you want to look up, I don't know what I don't know what how serious this team injury is. Three games behind Milwaukee. You know, I, me personally, I'm still of the mindset, just be one of the top five by the end of the season, you know, go into the playoffs, no worse than the five seed. Um, If you want to dream some dreams, by all means. I did not mean for that to rhyme. um if, if you want to think big, think bigger than I am. I am conservative by nature, but man, two games back of Philly, uh you already I mean you you play them a bunch more, so tiebreaker doesn't mean much right now, but yeah, um I, I'm and the last thing I'll say, like you look at the schedule ahead, like, look, none of these games are gonna be gimmies. um well, they do play Washington. Maybe other than that, none of these games are going to be are, are going to be gimmies. But if you play like this and you bring this level of ev- like just everything they're doing on the floor to every game, the Knicks have a chance to be <laughs> really trying not to get ahead of myself here. Knicks have a chance to be really good. And I think at the very least, if there are other teams around the league, looking at how this trade has impacted the Knicks, I don't know that I would say that like, you know, Boston or even honestly, Milwaukee or, or Philly. Yeah. Any of those reasons, are they like all of a sudden, like, Oh my God, I hope we, you know, we have to avoid the Knicks in the playoffs. I hope we don't play the Knicks. In the playoffs. I don't know that they're, that we're there yet. What would frighten the ever living shit out of me? If I was one of those teams, Maybe not Boston because Boston's just I don't think they fear anybody. But if but I I even them like is the fact that the Knicks still have another trade to make without dipping into any of their unprotected picks. And I and I say that with some trepidation because I don't know that the perfect trade is going to be there. Like again, I wrote about Brogdon today. Is Brogdon the perfect trade for this team to make? I, I don't know. You know? Um it, You know, and we could talk about that if you guys want. But for me, I'm just happy seeing this team playing like this. This is this is this is as good a basketball as I've seen the Knicks play. Is are they playing as well as they played at any time last season? Might be. They might be. Could be. Could be. Uh, On that note, uh, if you know, you know.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let us, uh, we're going to dive right in because I'm sure
1: people are going to have stuff that they want to talk about. So. APJP on the ones and twos. Shout out to him. Uh, shout out to everybody watching live. Andrew Claudio just told me we have uh, some like twelve hundred people watching live. That's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, here we go. Let's get into it. Start off with marshmallow, marshmallow. I haven't. I feel like we haven't heard from marshmallow, marshmallow in a while. But it's great to, great to hear from you. Is it just me? Or should other te- here we go? There we go. See, it's always happens. Someone reads my mind uh, before, like I don't even know it. Should other teams start worrying about getting embarrassed? I can't remember the Knicks looking this good five games in a row. I don't know. Um, I mean, look, it's so. Who got embarrassed? Philly definitely got embarrassed, and then the Wizards and the Blazers. So, like their upcoming schedule again, other than Washington, I, you know, I, I think. The Knicks got lucky tonight. Again, you go eight and a half minutes without scoring a field goal and to still be up 20 or whatever they were, 22 after that. you, You get a little fortunate with your opposition. But I think teams, at the very least, whether you're a good team, a bad team, a team in the middle, you know you have to bring your absolute A game to play with this Nick team. And it, if you like, there's a lot of there are teams out there that they bring their a game. They're going to beat the Knicks cause they're still, they still have more talent. And again, the the depth piece did not show itself tonight. It could show itself in other nights against the really, really best defensive teams or, or the really, really best offensive teams. that could just run you off the floor if they get going, but that's the part for me. I'm not looking at it as like other teams have to be worried about getting embarrassed. I'm more looking at it. Like, is this defense, because that that was the that was the great part for me about the We Here team, is with maybe a couple of exceptions, they were in every game because of their defense, because they put out a defensive product on the floor every night. Every night. And even when there were games where they could not hit the far side of a barn, and God knows there were a, quite a few of those games. And then when they got Derrick Rose, it was like, boom. There's, the, there's just enough juice and they went 16 and 4 well now you already had the offensive component and now you've got the defensive component the offense got arguably better and defensively so that's the thing that I'm most excited about is maybe not that we're going to like a threat to blow out every team that we play but that we are the Knicks are um, going to continue to be in every game because their defense is going to keep them in every game like OG, I think gives you that. When you put an OG and an OB into a Tibbs defensive infrastructure, I mean, it's just a game changer. Thanks, Marshmallow, Marshmallow. Appreciate you starting us off. Dom Cappuccini, my main man, Dom. How are you, my friend? And the band played on, well said. Uh, another statement game by Deuce to the front office. You got to love it. Yeah, for sure. Descending contract. They they made a bet. I, I kind of question the bet. Um, I, I'm looking forward to talking to Fred Katz tomorrow because he, on his podcast, was like, you know, raise a, raise an eyebrow or two. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that. Deuce is making them their look really smart, and look, they've seen him behind the scenes for for years. So. Um, I'm not surprised that they've bet uh, seemingly right so far. Uh, also, you got to love Grimes getting into a rhythm again. The bench is getting teeth again. So, yeah, I guess Grimes is, um, I guess, his mom and his brother. I know they went to the Ranger game last night because his brother, is, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, plays for the Canucks. And uh, I guess his mom was there tonight. Um, Again, you talk about another guy playing with confidence and I I mean, he was, I mean, I'm, I'm going to look up his, his box score number right now. And he was in there for a lot of garbage time. So, and he put up some shots in garbage time. I think mostly misses, but he had one final make. Yeah. Grimes, I mean, 17 points on 11 shots, four or nine from deep, five of 11 from the field, but he put up 11 shots in 21 minutes. That's, you don't do, I don't, I mean, even with garbage time, you, you don't, You don't do that unless you're shooting it with confidence and and feeling comfortable. And it was said at the time, it should be said again, um, and it should be said repeatedly moving forward. This trade was as much about unlocking Grimes and to a lesser extent Deuce as it was getting OG and And he was told that he was going to have a real opportunity um, to to be a bigger part of the offense and be a bigger part of the team after the trade. And he is, you know, So here we are, great stuff. Thanks, Tom. Kevin Daniszewski. boring, efficient. Gotta love how many how my boy Quen Grimes is getting more opportunities. Passing good, OG, awesome. Now I get to watch uh, former Knicks in the late game. Yes, uh, so we're 15 minutes away from tip off of I believe Lakers uh, Raptors. So um, I'll try to watch as much of that as I can. And again shout out RJ awesome game um, made his threes the other night against uh who did they kick the shit out of? Oh that's right the the the, the artists that used to be known as the Golden State Warriors uh quickly passing really good in that game like they're they're both looking good. So yeah it'll be fun to watch them tonight. Um it's yeah and the, and the usage thing so like usage is the percent of possessions you use up when you're on the court. So it's, it doesn't like, if you look at all the usage rates on a team, um, it doesn't add up to hundred because it guys, obviously you're playing different minutes, but you're still taking a 25 usage guy or 26, 27 usage guy in RJ and a 20, I don't know what he was at the time of the trade, 22, 23, 24, something like that in, and quickly and sending them out. And like, OG, like tonight, his usage was, I'm sure it was high because he really had it going. But even tonight where he like dominated, dude only took 12 shots, you know? I mean, he took fewer shots than Deuce McBride. Like, that's the funniest part is like perhaps even more than Grimes. The guy that's been sopping up the usage. And I saw someone had a tweet the other day about the the usage rates. And I apologize. I, I would credit the person if I knew Um the usage rates since uh, the trade. And I think Deuce was like way up there and it'll be, be even higher now, but yeah, Grimes is going to get like, there's a big slice of the pie that's available, big slice of the pie. So uh, good stuff from, from both of those guys. I'm glad people are making it about, about Deuce and Grimes. Thanks. Dom Cappuccini with another one is Deuce's three ball for real. Well, I mean, look, he is. In this game, from three, he was uh, four of seven um, against... Sorry, I'm getting it right now. Uh, he hit half of his threes against... the Jesus Christ, this is really pretty insane. So, <laughs> you know what, man? So, four of seven tonight, one of two against Washington, obviously four of six against Philly in the explosion, and then one of two against the Bulls. And I forget that he had a three in that Bulls game. So fifty percent, sixty six percent, fifty percent, fifty seven percent. I mean that 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 dog would seem to hunt. Um, and, but honestly, you even look at it before that; like he didn't get a lot of playing time, but he was kind of shooting it well even before that. I I don't know. I mean, his form to me, you know, Benji and DJ should talk about his form far more than I should. We should 47% on the year on limited, limited attempts. I want to see more. How about that? I want to see more, (laughs) please. And and if the three becomes something that like teams have to respect, that's a game changer. It's a game changer because he's not, I mean, look, he's not Caruso because no one's Caruso, but like if there's anyone in the league, that's his size or about his size that can guard up a position and can stay on the floor, like, sorry, can like, share the floor with a nominal point guard that should that should be guarding like the other team's least imposing offensive player. If there's a guy at his size that that could stay on the floor and play alongside one of those guys, it's Deuce. So why am I going through that? It's it's the notion that like, okay, let's say they do feel the need to make a trade to get a little bit more offensive juice. Maybe Deuce stays as part of the rotation, man. I mean, I don't see a 10 man rotation being a thing. Crazy things have happened. Like depending on who that player is, do we see a little bit more Randall at the five? Like there was some switching. There was more switching that happened tonight on defense. Like when you have a, when you have an OG and an OB on your team and a Josh hard on your team and a deuce McBride on your team, like you do all, you have a lot of fun on defense. So it, all of this stuff comes together. Just being able to make shots a- as a role player, it just changes the every all the every conversation you have about a guy. If you're a role player and you're a perimeter player in the league, either you can hit threes or you can't. And so Deuce like needs to keep hitting threes. It's big. It's massive. Thanks, Tom. Dan Hidalgo. Uh, Jalen Brunson's ability to draw charges really helps his defense. Um, yeah, I mean, but here's the other thing. Like, yes, he drew another charge tonight. I feel like is this the third straight game he's drawn a charge? I feel like I've been jotting down. Uh, that he's drawn a lot of charges of late. Um, I'll go ahead and check and see if he's back leading the league. He was up there with Timmy. Um, more than that, like yeah, it does improve his defense, I'm like that's important. And I think more even than like it directly improving his defense, it's more a matter of um, like like lift uplifting team spirit. Like when see when guys see your best player like throwing his body around like that, like how could you not help but be inspired? The thing that is a bigger deal to me. Is like, yeah, Brunson's even with the charges still going to be a minus defender, but it it stands out so much less now. Um, look, will, will will there be teams that are going to hunt him? Yeah, there's teams are going to be hunting, but again, Knicks added length, they added size. It's going to be easier to counter ba- counteract those teams that do hunt that do mismatch hunt aggressively in the playoffs, and we'll see you know, which teams do that and and how they succeed with that. Thanks, Dan. Ben, Kim Garvey, what's going on, Ben? Um, one of our uh, very best, uh, one of our patrons as well. Tonight, Deuce was great and Brogdon was a Deuce. I have nothing to add on that. That is uh, absolutely true. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> just like your halftime. I've done that. I'm just going to read what you wrote. Um, I'm looking for the Chargers thing right now. <clears throat> yeah, Brunson's leading the league in Chargers drawn with 22. team. Or so actually, after tonight, it might be 23. Timmy has 20. Okay. Yuri Pereira. Nice win. This team is good, John. Finally, hashtag. I should probably know what this refers to. G Braz. Someone let me know because I just, I don't know. Um, but sure. Yeah, uh, they're, they're good. They're a really good basketball team. I think for me, since before the season started, I've kind of been on this, this kick of um, parody, parody, parody. It's a league full of parody with a few teams at the top that deserve to be kind of in their own tier. Well, now you kind of look around and you're like, all right, well... You know, the Nuggets will continue I'll continue to give them the benefit of the doubt. The defending champions, they're not giving a shit this regular season. Fine. Boston, own tier, fine. Um and then after that, I mean, yeah, you got Milwaukee, Philly, and let's say Minnesota. And OKC, sorry. Those four, right? After Denver and Boston. Are the Knicks in with that group yet? Gotta see a little bit more. If they're not there, they are knocking on the door hard. And they're, I mean, they're, they're, I, I, for me, top of the top of the next tier with, with, with actually, sorry, with a tip of the cap to the Clippers. I, we always forget about the Clippers because they're the Clippers and they kind of, you know, they have James Harden now and they're seen as a stock. or perpetually. I mean, the Clippers have been absolutely balling since the Harden trade, not since the Harden trade. They integrated Harden properly after the first five or six games. So like us, the Clippers you know um i mean my, you know miami obviously deserves to be in the conversation they've earned that right after what they've done the last several years um in the playoffs but can they get their i mean their guys just don't play enough for me to really put them in that conversation but yeah that's i mean so you're talking what 7th 6th 7th 8th best team in the league that's it's pretty good i'll take that thanks yuri <laughs> Jess, what's going on, Jessica? How are you? A uh, great night from McBuckets. Oh man, is he taking the nickname? I mean, Dougie's always going to have the McBuckets. I because I I loved the Dougie experience here in New York. Didn't last long enough, unfortunately. Um, but he might he might Deuce might might take it. Um, love the season. Love the season, Julius so much. IHeart seems unstoppable. IHeart didn't have to do anything tonight. It was great. Uh, OG uh, makes everyone better. Nice to be on this side of a blowout. It's really. It was disconcerting. I think it was disconcerting for the Knicks. I think it is disconcerting for the Knicks to be this uh, up this much in a game. It's really wild. And they've had to do it now for a few times in a row. Um, the season Julius is having, it's funny. I, I'm fairly certain his stats for this game are um, probably not. Great, I'll I'll look them up right now. I know he didn't shoot it well in the first half. He finished this game, yeah, seven to seventeen for twenty points. But here's the thing: eight assists, two turnovers, and then uh, seven rebounds for good measure. So, when Julius Randall has eight assists and Jalen Brunson has seven assists, those guys combined for fifteen assists in the same game. That to me is a sign of an extraordinarily healthy New York offense because your main cogs are not just relying on getting tough buckets to help your team. And this is not to say that Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson have been ball hoggy or have not passed the ball willingly in the past, but there is something else going on about this team right now in terms of how they are moving the ball. And, um, I know Julius got into a stretch there at the end of the second quarter and and the beginning of the third quarter where he got you know he, he was missed a couple shots he usually makes and was kind of maybe getting his own head and it wasn't it wasn't great but like look they knew who they were playing they knew what the outcome of this game was going to be so I, I can't even get on him or anybody for that I love what we're seeing from Randall this is the best version of him Fred Katz wrote about it earlier this week spot on article um, I've read about it this season it's uh really it's cool to see and it, and it gets you really excited about what lies ahead cuz he just you just hope he can keep it up in the playoffs as teams will and boy will they ever just throw the kitchen sink at him to try to get him off his game and um you know we'll see what happens thanks jessica
2: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Connor, with the way they're playing and the January schedule, the Knicks should be looking good heading into February. Yeah, I mean, I'll run through it right now since you brought it up. Um, I'm not going to do like a wins losses thing. I'm just going to say schedule. So this road trip is the last time they're going to after this road trip, after they get back from this road trip, they will have four weeks where they leave the state of New York one time. And it's to go to Charlotte, which is like arguably quicker to drive to than fly to. Um, So after Dallas and Memphis road trip, um, Home Orlando, home Houston, home Washington, home Toronto. That'll obviously be emotional. At Brooklyn, home Denver, home Miami. That's I mean, home Denver, home Miami. That's 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 tough. Then you go, you make your little trip to Charlotte, and then this takes you through February 20th, or excuse me, February 10th. Uh, all home. Utah, Indiana, Lakers, Memphis, Dallas, Indiana. So again, like not a lot of walkovers in that whole stretch that I just read. You know, you want to say Charlotte but you're on the road and that they're they can be spunky at times. I know their net rating is awful. Brooklyn may be imploding before our eyes. We'll see. And then Washington. Like those are the only like walkover games against really bad or like trending bad teams. Like all these other games are games that like are, that you, you better play well or you're going to lose. So that's why I don't want to like go crazy and like be like, oh, the Knicks are going to go, you know, thirteen and three in this track. Look, may- I don't know, maybe, but I'm still trying to be a little bit judicious with my excitement. How about that? Thank you, Connor. Appreciate you, man. Jack City, great name. O G. Oh my, four three. He seems to be having fun, right? Like I again, I don't I don't know. Is this like what he envisioned? Is this the like when he said bigger role? I just think for him there's a big difference between being the third guy or like third ish guy on Toronto on a team that like, yeah, I know they're Canada's team, but like whatever. And then being the third guy. On the New York on a New York Knicks team that's winning, like, you know, I don't, I know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many people read it, but like, I, you know, Charles Oakley got a book published because he was the the third guy on the Knicks for a decade. Now, obviously, that team did a lot of winning, but like, that's. Like, if OG's here for a long time and the Knicks are winning for a long time, and he is like the defensive force stopper guy and makes them all defense teams, like that dude, he's going to be like, then you cement your place in NBA history, which is like, this is, I'm again talking about getting ahead of myself. The guy, guy's played five games here, but that's what's on the table. It truly is what's on the table because the team is primed to be successful and he's really good he fits really well. And they're going to pay him and they're going to make him happy. So all good things. Sam Garcia is effing team, John. Yeah. This effing team is right. It's fun. I'm excited for Thursday night. I know again, I'm looking up the Mavs are almost, they're down 18 at the, towards the end of the third quarter. They have Luca and Kyrie. And I didn't even realize not only is Morant not playing in this game, but Jaron Jackson Jr. Apparently is not playing the game either. It's weird because, like, the Dallas, Dallas team has been pretty good all year. Like, they, they can't defend anybody, but they've still been good. And they're, I don't know. I'm excited for Thursday night. Thanks, Sam. It's Roses. Hey, it's Roses. As a non toxic, real Nick fan who didn't feel the need to talk shit about a guy who helped turn this franchise around, it's great to see both OG and RG succeed on their respective teams. Amen. Amen. I, um, I obviously did get frustrated and I've already said my piece about that. Um, you know, ill-timed and you know, poorly chosen words. Uh it's it's great to see them doing what they're doing. I wish them nothing but the best. Um those guys, two class acts represented the franchise well, especially RJ. I thought RJ's comments today in the um the Anscape piece by Mark J. Spears, I believe, um, about how like, you know, he called it like it is. Knicks were a losing franchise when he came here and he was part of the turnaround. So, uh, nothing, nothing but love for them moving forward. Hope they get all the success in the world. Hope IQ IQ gets paid. I trust he will get paid a lot of money. That's important to him. And, uh, you know, and RJ, I hope he could finally get like the sort of role that I, I think he always desired here, but a role that was maybe not conducive to winning. Um, given his particular skill set on this roster and surrounded maybe by some of the other, you know, pieces that were, were here. So good job by them. And good job by you. Thank you for the contribution, Joseph Brennan. um, Shout out Leon. It didn't get said enough. This team was in a dark place. I like this comment already. Just one current rotation player was inherited. Julius Randall, everyone else he's brought in and there's still ammo left. Exciting times. Man, Joseph, I love it. I truly do love an excuse to go down memory lane a little bit. So Randall was here and was looked at as a consolation prize. And look, yes, he inherited Randall, but there were a lot of people, including this guy who wondered at the time and have wondered many times since whether the move was to trade Randall when he was whatever, 10, 15, 20, 30 games into that All-NBA campaign, the first one, and pivot into a tank, get whatever you could from Randall, and so on and so forth. And I was dead wrong about that. Uh, And like, there's a lot of reasons I was wrong about that. Some of them, most of them having to do with Randall, but also like Again, if you need proof that like tanking is not the be all end all strategy in the league, uh, just turn on the Pistons game. Could have turned on the game tonight. They were up by twenty and ended up losing by twenty. So, yeah, like so, Randall. They they didn't trade Randall. Hardenstein maneuvered to sign him. And we always will refer back to that Jalen Williams trade. And Jalen Williams, I mean Jalen Williams, it, it, he's going to be in the All Star conversation this year. Like they missed out on a guy, they would not have had the money to sign Hardenstein. To say nothing about it, that, it would have been dicey to sign Brunson if you had kept the pick that you could have drafted Jalen Williams with. But still, like sometimes things work out for a reason. Not sitting here saying the team wouldn't be better off with 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 J Dub, but hey, you went and got your version of J Dub. In OG and, in and how did you get him? You traded quickly in RJ. You inherited RJ, you kept him, you re-signed him to a good contract or a contract that was at least seen as like movable. Toronto was obviously okay with it. Um, and so you used your assets to get the guy that you didn't get because you didn't make the draft pick and to, to get Hardenstein, who was instrumental to your team. Sign Brunson as a free agent. So two very notable free agent signings. Dante De Vincenzo free agent signing. That's three big free agent signings. Um, and then you look at the bench. Grimes really nice draft pick at that at that pot at that spot. Josh Hart, fantastic trade for what you gave up in terms of how he fits in with your team. And then uh, Achua part of the trade. And then uh, Deuce McBride, um, again good good solid draft pick. So, and and I should say Mitch, you know, Mitch is her right now. He's still a a part of the team, big part of the team, big part of the success, big part of why they're here. They inherited Mitch as well. Um, But again, they they had opportunities to move Mitch again, two trade deadlines ago. I was, I was wondering at the time, um, should they have moved him? Like Detroit was allegedly interested because Detroit wants to trade for every center who ever played basketball. Um, and they didn't. They kept on to him. They held on to him because they valued him. They valued what he brought and they were smart to do that as well. So, tons of smart stuff from them. Not perfect. Never going to be perfect. No GM in the league is perfect. You know, the OB pick, uh, Fournier signing. Kemba thing, Kemba experiment. Um, you know, some of the other stuff, which is like less consequential, but like, you know, you could praise him for Burks. You could praise him for the Rose trade, the first Burks signing. Um, you know, the no the original Noel contract was important. Like all this stuff that they've done along the way helped to legitimize them. And they were the most illegitimate. Professional sports franchise in the world when these guys came and took over, so that's why. Like you, you really do have to praise them, and I love, I will love, I, I love nothing more than going off on uh, a tangent, um, giving some praise to Leon Rose, a guy who I've I've criticized over um, the years at times, and he has absolutely showed everybody. <clears throat> Thanks, Joseph. Jack City, first time here. Oh, welcome. I mean, you know, we kind of just talk about the game um, because it's a good game to talk about. (laughs) Thanks, Jack. Hush Zoo, OG saved my life. When it's dark, OG is my life. (laughs) You might have saved the Knicks life. Seriously. Um to I heart all defense convo possibility, pay him. It's not about paying him uh necessarily. There's a limit to what they could give him. That's the tough part. They're not gonna be able to go over a certain amount because they're not gonna be a cap space team and uh they only have his early bird rights. So, you know, uh the market is gonna determine ultimately whether Isaiah Hartenstein remains a Nick or or not. Is all defense possibility? Um realistically, no. I, I, because here's the thing. Let's say the Knicks are have a top five defense from here on out, right? OG is going to get that credit. I know defensive EPM says Hardenstein's like the best defender in the league or the best center defender in the league, whatever it is. OG is going to get that credit. And like to some extent, like that's not wrong. Like Hardenstein was here for 20 games, like after Mitch went down and over that time, they were the worst defense in the league. So it's tough to get a guy in the all defense. Con- and with exceptions, I'm sure somebody could go find someone that made an all defense team that spearheaded a defense was like the that was like the worst defense in the league for a, a, a 20 day span. But like the Knicks were the worst defense in the league for a solid two, three weeks with Hardenstein in the middle. Again, it wasn't his fault, but like to be an all defense team include inclusion, to be an inclusion on the all defense team. There you go. Um, like 10 best defenders in the league, you know? So it's tough. He's been awesome, though. Thanks, Hush. Uh, do buzziness. Do business. Brogdon is overrated. Let Deuce and Grimes cook. I have no issue with that. I mean, look, this team should be in no rush to make a trade. No rush. And I don't think they will be. I don't think the market is is developing that way. So, yeah. Thanks, new business. <clears> on, <throat> can we talk? I was waiting for somebody to bring it up. Can we talk Tibbs extension? Tibbs has proven if he gets his guys, he will win, we will win games. The SPO ex- extension, fingers crossed, opens talks. So um, this is going to be painful for me to do. Uh, and by, by the way, Josh Hart, Good, classy move by him shouted out Spo, because obviously Spo was his coach um, or one of his coaches that he they, apparently they really got to know each other well over the summer on Team USA Team USA uh, Josh Hart tweeted out that Spo got the much-deserved bag. So I believe is it eight years, 120 million? Whatever it is, Woj had it that it's the largest dollar amount not most annual figures, but the largest total dollar about amount ever given to a, a head coach, maybe in any professional sport. I'm not sure, but at the very least, in basketball, um, Spo is the best coach in the league, and he is, I would argue, so vastly the best coach in the league. Like maybe not far and away. Dagnall's kind of getting up there pretty quick. Um, But he's the best coach in basketball. And he's probably been the best coach in basketball for some time now. And so, like, he's kind of in his own category, really. That said, and I don't want to say too much because I got a piece coming out. Um, I think tonight. Oh, man. Hold on. I'm going to do some... Do some quick, quick research here. I hope nobody minds. Uh, because I believe tonight was, duh, duh, duh. yep, tonight was Tom Thibodeau's 499th coaching win. So in Dallas, in Jalen Brunson's return game on Thursday, uh, at a place where if it wasn't for something that had literally never happened before in NBA history, Tibbs would already Tibbs would have got his 500th coaching win tonight. Um, I will never forget that game in Dallas last season. Uh, you know, so he's going to get 500 wins pretty soon. That's track record. And I look, the criticism about him is always going to be there. The people who are strong critics of him, it doesn't like he could win 60 games this year. And they're going to, they would find things to criticize him about. And he could win an NBA championship and there are going to be fans that will never. And I I mean this, that will never forgive him for not playing Emmanuel quickly more for, I mean, hell, there's probably still people mad at him for not playing Obi more (laughs) people not mad at him for not playing Cam Reddish more, you know, like you're always going to have a subset and it is because of the way he goes about his business. And like, it's not arrogance. It's kind of arrogance, which is why I love him. But one of the so many reasons why I love him. I'm sure this is exactly what people want to tune in for, right? Me gushing about Tibbs. It's going to make the viewership go way up. I'll finish up. Um, But like just the way his demeanor, the way he goes about his business, the cut of his jib. Like that will always send people off the deep end when it comes to him and thinking about his process and thinking about like his ceiling as a coach. So All that being said, I've been here for since the nineties, <laughs> and I think you have too, and a lot of people have. And I, my, and it's it give give as much credit to Leon as Tibbs, because it really was as much Leon as Tibbs, and the players obviously too. But my, I've said this before. My buddy Bernardo Zorowski had had a saying before this regime took over, which is that the rot is in the walls. And the implication was that you could hire anybody the fuck you want to run this franchise and to coach this franchise. It's not going to matter. The rot is in the walls. Nothing will work here to turn this thing around. And I believed it at a certain point because like, I, I don't have to explain why I believed it. So to again, just to watch hall of famer after hall of famer after hall of famer, come here and coach their way into a job and then out of a job. And then for him to come in here and do what he's done. I don't know. Seems seems pretty open and shut to me. But what do I know? Thanks, Junon. Appreciate you could team me up on that one.